You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Bowen. I'm thrilled to have me today, an absolute legend in the world of CPAs and accountants, Susan Bryan. Good day to you, Susan. Hey, Rob. Thank you so much for having me on the show. How does it feel being an absolute legend? Do you feel qualified? No but I do feel a bit like farmer's insurance. We've seen a thing or two, we know a thing or two. It's definitely been a long road of public accounting and right now, interesting times in public accounting. Let's dip into that and we'll let our audience decide if you truly are a legend, but this is Accounting Influencers and we speak to people on this show. We have 30,000 listeners all over the planet in 150 countries. We speak to the influencers that have the ear of accountants and they know what's going on. So for people I haven't come across you, Susan, just tell us a little bit about you and your world. Sure. So I'm co-owner of a firm based out of Plano, Texas. We are attempting to build a model for what the future CPA firm is going to look like. We are a team of all women and we're serving primarily business owners by providing them accounting tax and advisory services. So you are a CPA, you run a CPA firm, but you're also serving CPAs. What exactly do you do for them? I really attempt to make their lives better and easier by sharing every bit of knowledge that I have accumulated in my career, point them to new technologies, new tools, help them to understand trends, read books, all the different things that I feel like if if I had summarized for me, it would have changed my world many moons ago. Yeah. Susan, there's so many topics we could talk to you about. You've put out some excellent content there, but we're going to talk today about how perhaps clients are being treated by accountants and why some accountants are trading up with their clients and the subject of conformity. So just tee this up for us. Why is this important and what are the key issues? I don't think it's any surprise that accountants are seeing a significant number of leads come into them because so many other accountants have failed to communicate. They're not providing the services that people want. And so we now have this influx of demand happening for current accountants who are attempting to provide an excellent customer experience, serve in a different capacity, you know, more than just do the compliance work and the accounting work really help to holistically change this client's financial future. So this demand has now necessitated this inward look for many CPAs to say, wait a minute, I'm going to hit a capacity issue. Perhaps I should evaluate who I am working with right now. Do I want to continue to serve these people? Do they truly understand what we do, value our work, willing to pay the price, conform to our processes and standards? And if they don't, it's really easy to ditch them and pivot towards the better client that's coming your way. It's great that accountants are recalibrating what a good client looks like. But traditionally, Susan, we've seen that accountants have been reluctant to let go because it's revenue, whether it's a good client or bad client, they've not really made those judgments. But I do accept your point that, especially throughout the pandemic, many accountants, CPAs fell short. They fell short on their proactivity. It's not good just saying we're here for you. You got to be picking up the phone and asking clients if they're okay. And they also fell short perhaps on their, the way they were keeping up with the complexity of the world as it changed. So the services 
and advice they were able to offer their clients. So accountants naturally found themselves being contacted by clients for sure, but perhaps losing some clients to better accountants if they didn't pull their boots up. So just unpack that a little bit for us. I feel like last year was a word of more. We need more services, more time, more expertise, more skills, more competencies. We have more entities. The client had so much more going on. So much more was demanded of the accountant. Mm -hmm. And when accountants didn't respond accordingly by growing their staff, upskilling, gaining more talent, finding different ways and processes to serve the more, then they're seeing that more is going away. And they're going in search of the resources. Clients are going in search of the resources from accountants who are willing to respond as their needs are almost exponentially changing. Account mm. the, the clients that we see coming in, their needs are vast, varied, and many times they want responses fast. They wanted this stuff done yesterday. And I guess that's nothing really new, but the expectation is a little bit different. And I think that can influence the price, that can influence the staff you can go out and get to do the work. There's a lot more that can change for the better for your firm by getting those types of clients in the door. And it's just experience too, learning how to handle those things. It enables you to begin to understand what more you could be doing for the client, how to do that, and then standardize it and take it to additional clients as you're moving forward, right? So productizing that service, as people like to say, it just, I think accountants have to begin to contemplate that more frequently. What am I doing? How am I doing it? How can I apply it to other things that are coming my way? Create the systems and processes and then have the expectations set. So when the client comes in, there is conformity from the beginning and then the work is easy. And then it's a positive experience for everybody. I was just reading a blog post this morning that millennials really want to enjoy the people that they work with. Don't we all? I don't know if there's anything different between me and a millennial there. I don't want to work for the bad clients. I'm not inspired and motivated to do that. I want to work with the clients who are eager to use us in the way we want and consume our services in the way we want them to be consumed. And now you get in a sense, Susan, from the many CPAs that you speak to that whereas before a client would probably stick with an accountant for life, there's a lot more, we, in the UK, we call it switch business, people switching over. So there's less loyalty there and clients' businesses looking up and saying, is this the best that I can get? I've had this accountant for some time as the trusted advisor, but am I really getting the trusted advice that I want? So is there more movement, do you think, between firms and accountants? Oh, Absolutely. One of the most interesting things I've noticed of late is that when a client approaches their current accountant, their current accountant will respond, I don't give that kind of advice. I'm only going to prepare your tax return or do XYZ service. So they're absolutely outright now saying, I don't offer that type of advice, which is, I think, a really interesting thing because I think they're maxed out capacity-wise, even mentally. I can't do anymore. And now it's how to talk to your kids and your bad feelings will find a way of coming out. <laughs> I feel like they're finally getting squeezed out of these accountants who are just done. And so it's now revealing itself and I just don't do that. And so that pushes the client away from that accountant saying, okay, well, thanks for finally being honest with me. And they go in search of someone else to do that. So yes, I do think that for the clients who are feel underserved and finally get that affirmation, you're never going to get this advice from me. They are going to go in search of an accountant and re-examine the basis of that relationship. What does it look like? Why do I want to work with this person? What am I really expecting? And ask a lot more detailed questions. We get interviewed a lot in these processes. How do you work? Why do you do it this way? What about your frequency of communication? All of those things start to come out. And if you don't have a system and process you're following, then the client is not going to feel very secure in making that decision. I 
sometimes liken it to like teenagers. They say, oh, teenagers, they fight the structure, but they really love it deep down. It's the same thing. Yes. We need boundaries and routines, don't we? That's right. We'll go into a bit more of the standardized processes that make for a good client and help them conform. But just going back to your point, busy accountants that are jaded and overloaded and overstressed, in some ways, Susan, they're to be applauded for saying no to stuff. We've been telling them to calibrate their services for some time and be really honest and not keep saying yes to things and getting overloaded. So if they just want to do compliance, great. Yeah, agreed. 100%. You're doing yourself a favor as an accountant and you're doing the client a favor, honestly, yeah. because you're going to disappoint them and there will constantly be this friction that you don't know how to get past. And yeah, I think that honesty is really important. I, there has been a lot of discussion among the client, the CPA community to really be honest about the clients you want to serve and how you want to serve them, defining your service lineup or even what your ideal client looks like. I know that's some overused terminology there, but really drilling down to what it is you love to do. Why are you in this profession to begin with? If you absolutely love doing tax returns, by all means, there is a place for that. There is lots of those to do. If you don't love it, don't keep offerings and selling something that you're not going to love to offer to the client and feel rewarded and fulfilled in doing. It's just mm. don't do things you don't love. CPAs are not known for their agility and their ability and appetite for change. When we look at the distribution curve of adoption, this is the classic curve, Susan. You'll have seen it many times about the early adopters and the laggards and the late adopters. So when we talk about accountants that are proactive, that are very close to the clients and are able to deal with this kind of complexity we're talking about, and we'll take a clients from other firms is it a huge proportion of the profession that are able to do that are we just talking about maybe a top 10 15 percent of cpas i think this is a personal journey for each accountant to figure out i don't think there's any particular profile any type of size firm you just find these gems of people who have made this mindset shift from the traditional growing up in accounting industry to wait a minute there's a better way and they've seen the light and maybe they've have done some research and studying and reading and been enlightened this way that when they have this mindset shift, it unlocks this potential for them to serve in a different capacity. And when they get there, then it's a total game changer, not only for them as fulfilled professionals, but also for the clients that they're serving. And I know personally for me, this was the realization that, you know, for so many years, I felt like I sat in a position where I was literally below the client. I, I I felt subservient in many ways. Yes, client, whatever you want, I'll do it. Yes, I'll take it. That was really the position that I felt I was in. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago that I had this like epiphany. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on just a second here. Like they're business owners, I'm a business owner. And then I remembered, like, I also have all of this knowledge that most of them totally lack. And that is common among every business. And that is accounting and taxes. Yeah. I am light years ahead from a business owner perspective and actually truly becoming the best business owner on the So if you look at, I'm in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program right now, they're going to spend three weeks on financials. Why? This is the area where most business owners struggle. Okay. So if accountants really spent time saying, okay, I'm great at this component and I want to get better at being a business owner. And if I'm going to advise business owners, I need to be even better business owner than they are and really honed in on this business owner mentality versus the practitioner mentality. That's when my life changed. Every, yes. Everything shifted. And I started using my practice, if you will, my now business. I started toying with these things. 
saying, I wonder if I did this, how would this work? Then I had knowledge about what worked in my business, advanced certain things. And then I would take that and I'd apply it to my clients. And I'd say, hey, I just tried this in my business. This might work for you too. And it's not accounting and it's not tax. It's a business. That's ultimately what your clients are looking for from you is for you to give them these tried and true things as another fellow business owner. Feed them the advice that's going to help increase profitability, drive efficiency. It's like all these other things that they truly are craving that no other accountants are doing. They might say advisory or whatever, but they really just want a relationship with another business owner who happens to have this expertise. You're unusual, Susan. You're a business owner and you're an entrepreneurial accountant. There's not a lot of them out there. There are plenty, but most accountants are employed. They don't own the business. They don't run the business. They haven't got shares. Sure, they could have a more commercial acumen and develop a more entrepreneurial business thinking mindset. But you're talking there about rounding out the CPA or in the UK, the Chartered Accountant Qualification to go beyond tax and audit into CFO services and into financial planning and analysis and reporting and a whole load of things and running a business. So is that too much to ask for some accountants? For the ones that are in business for themselves, no. Yes, <laughs> so, agreed. But I do also think that we've conditioned accountants who are in employee type positions to be treated as employees and have an employee mentality, even though the clients they're serving are entrepreneurs. Yeah. So this is my whole, this is why I think salaries for accountants is fundamentally flawed because there's no incentive for them to advise their clients better. We're just going to pay you the same amount. You do more work or less work or what? It doesn't even matter. You have no incentive to help your clients even more. Now, I almost feel like accountants, we need to re, this is just one more thing to throw out of the traditional firm mentality is how we compensate the people and what we're compensating them based on. Because ultimately, we're getting measured on the, our ability to contribute to the increased value of our clients, their businesses, their personal lives, changing, transforming literally their financial future for the positive. That's how we should drive compensation for accountants. And then I think that shifts us to a more entrepreneurial mindset from the get-go for all employees too. Yeah. So if an accountant is taking on a new client, there's that onboarding and that this is the way we work conversation, educating your client. If they've already got a client that they want to recalibrate, then there's that honest conversation of we're changing the way we work. Talk to us about the importance of having your clients conform to your standard processes, Susan. Well, accountants like to make money. And in order to make money, Things really do have to be standardized and not just from an efficiency standpoint and effectiveness standpoint, but also there's been a lot of discussion about this in, in the recent past, and that is the customer experience. So in order to maintain consistency from one client to the next among all of your staff, right? You're thinking like McDonald's hamburger from California, New York, it's the same. The concept is the same in the firm. The standardization of the SOPs also is driving profitability effectiveness, and ultimately the customer satisfaction. And if we are, if we're applying that in that way, that view, then we're ultimately yielding something that's more replicatable. I don't know if that's a word, but we can replicate it more, more easily. Yeah. And it's, that is going to increase the value of the actual CPA firm itself. And then you've got like this, I mean, it's trade secrets or intellectual property or our way of doing things. And that also leads to culture changes, right? We have our way. This is our firm's way of doing things. I think that, that leads into branding and messaging. Like all this stuff gets connected and that ultimately is going to drive even more clients to you because 
they want that same experience of working with an accountant. They want it to be like, oh my gosh, my accountant is the best. Wait, who are you working with? Oh, and then they see all the stuff you've done and they see your messaging and all these other things that are public. But then when they sign up, they're like even more thrilled because they're also getting that, they're feeling everything that they just heard about. Yeah. I love you drawing a direct line between processes and culture and client experience. When I'm not doing the podcast, I help accounting firms differentiate themselves in the talent marketplace with their employer brand. And very few of them can articulate what makes them different to anybody else. They don't have their way. They have what they claim to be a set of unique values and the way they treat their staff, their value proposition for employees, but it, their website looks and sounds exactly the same as all the others. So you're yeah. talking about, about educating your client and recalibrating that relationship in a way that they don't really get anywhere else. And you're taking charge and you are the trusted advisor. And you say, this is the way we work. And it's for your benefit, Mr. Client, that we do this. Yeah, 100%. And I've, I've had plenty of clients show up and say, this is the way I want to work. <laughs> That's not quite the way we do things here. And there's plenty of client, plenty of accountants you can go to. Clients can go to those clients and those accountants are going to conform to however the client wants to operate. But I think that's a really big mistake for accountants to keep adapting themselves. Like exception, uh, oh, they only want to talk to one person in the firm. Oh, they want to get their billing this way. Oh, they want this. You have Then you have all these exceptions to all of the processes that exist in your firm for these specific clients because they're high net worth or they're high revenue or whatever. And I, I just feel like accountants, we just have to, we just stop ourselves from doing that. And that's, it creates friction. Someone's feelings are at risk. That's what I heard people say no, because they don't want to put people's feelings at risk. We just have to learn how to become more comfortable with putting someone's feelings at risk. And for the benefit of your own feelings, for your staff's feelings, for your own stress levels, for your own mental health, for all those other things, right? You just have to learn how to say no and be okay with it. Amen to that. I'm thinking of the quote by John Maxwell. He says, say no to the good so you can say yes to the great. And too often, oh, yeah. too often we say yes to the good and get overwhelmed and overloaded. But you touched there, Susan, on the awkward conversation, the confrontation. What do we do with clients that refuse to conform? There's some pushback there. They're, maybe they feel they hold the power in a transaction, in a negotiation. That's a, That's a big sigh. That is big. <laughs> You've had a few of these, haven't you? Yeah, because you feel a little handcuffed to the client. Because yeah. There might be some loyalty there. You maybe served them a few years and you now need to recalibrate. And sometimes it's not even necessarily you, maybe as the owner of the CPA firm, your loyalty, maybe it's their staff's loyalty. They really love working with the client, even though they're not ideal for some reason or another. So there's that. Um, and then there's also just for accountants, we're just always, we're money oriented. So we're always thinking about, okay, so how many clients do I have to get in order to make up with that client? And what does that look like? What is my leads? What is, how long do I get them onboarded? It's probably a little bit of a disaster happening in our brains. Like of all the things that are th we're thinking of when we're talking about is this, what happens if this client does leave or we have them leave? I, <laughs> there's a couple of things I, that I think of when that particular type of conversation comes up is that one, it's okay to be upset about it and to, and honestly, to have a bunch of feelings about the particular client. It, I think that's natural. We get emotionally and personally invested in many of these clients and our staff does. And these are challenges because we care and that we have to recognize that our caring is actually why people want to continue to be our client. But a lot of times we have to care a little, we need to change our care into something a little bit different, maybe. So we need to have a conversation, not a confrontation. That's the first thing. 
But I think we just have to sometimes get past some of the emotional side of things and really boil some things down to logic. Talk about those hard lines, what's good, what's bad. What do we really need to work on? What things really need to change in the engagement? And then just present it in a clear and matter of fact way. Speak your truth. If you don't speak your truth, you will resent the client. You will be unhappy and so will everybody else. And you just have to recognize that that's, there's no way, that's, that's not a good way to live. Yeah. Let's bring this into line with a few more questions. You are addressing the accounting profession. In fact, I'm going to go further than that, Susan. I want to make you the global czar of the accounting profession worldwide. Okay. You are the top bod in the universe over all CPAs and accountants. So what needs to be said? What is your message to the profession around this right now? I think we need to spend some time on really analyzing what we're training people on and training them to become. We're missing the boat on turning, taking really smart accountants and developing them into literally the future stewards of our profession. In our firm, we're working right now on creating what we call professional pathways. And I more firms need to focus on that where we can help. It's, I don't want to call it upskilling because I feel like that's taking somebody who, you know, who has a skill and just making it a little bit better. But I'm talking about landing your current competencies. And on this pathway to what with our firm, I feel like is a transformational process of like self-actualization. Who are you now? Who were you meant to become and how do we help you get there as it pertains to your profession, your community, your family, all the things. That's the goal. You are better for everybody if we're giving people all of those opportunities to grow in this capacity. Because it doesn't, have, what does it have to do with accounting? It just has everything to do with who we are as people and what purpose we have. And if we're not working on who we are, then we can never fulfill our true purpose. So how should accountants be viewed by their clients if they want to command the fees and respect that they deserve? I think that they should be viewed as experts. So just as I mentioned before, like this old adage for this insurance company, most accountants have such an enormous amount of depth, breadth of experience that is vast and it's often highly underutilized by their clients, but it's not the client's fault. It's accountant's fault for not adequately communicating everything that they can do and what they know about and how they can help clients. So a lot of this had to be with accountants need to be more open. They need to communicate. They need to learn how to have conversations, discuss, chat like this, really be more outward instead of more inward. And I think that literally could change everything. So, so maybe these soft skills, maybe that's what it is. Maybe mentoring some of our junior accountants into, you have to present this, go out there. As I know it's scary. Yes. You're not going to have all the answers. You're probably going to have to say, I don't know. I'm going to have to go check with somebody who has a lot more experience than me. Well, maybe that's being fearless or brave or having more courage. I don't know. I think it's like all of these things all rolled into one, but that's the future is that we need people who are excellent at presenting and communicating with clients because the technical knowledge is just, it's not enough. We got to boil it down for people. Yeah, that's a good point. What about the accountant CPAs listen that are in denial and they're saying, well, Susan, I don't have any bad clients. I don't need to get rid of anybody. I'm doing great with my clients. What does a bad client look like or act like? I'd say for starters, they don't pay their bills. <laughs> right. For, I think, secondly, they're bad, they're bad responders. So they wait until the last minute to send you stuff and then expect things to get turned around really quickly. I have a saying that I tell my teenage daughters, you know, no response is a response. Yeah. So if that's how you feel, if that's the kind of thing that's happening with you and your clients, like 
they're not good clients. If they respond to you and you respond to them and you actually enjoy the back and forth and discussion and conversation, and it's more collaborative than it is, oh, this client wants this for me. Oh, like that is probably not a good client. So I think people need to, especially accountants who are maybe saying, I have no bad clients. I think they need to be probably a little bit more honest with themselves. (laughs) Everybody's got some bad apples in their bunch. They just do. Sometimes they're hesitant to let go of them. Maybe they are big in terms of top top line revenue. Maybe they consume a lot of staff's time. So, you know, at least you're covering their fixed costs. I think there's a lot of different things that go through the mind of accountants, but and I saw somewhere somebody talked about the fact like you see the phone ringing and it's somebody and you have a feeling like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. Then you should get rid of that client because you're never going to want to serve that person in the way that they should be served. So go find people when you see their name pop up on the phone, you're excited to answer the phone. What are what they've got to talk about today? This is really cool. I've always loved how the conversation ends. Like you get a lot of energy from it versus your drain. I remember a networking expert saying to me, are you the kind of person where you walk into the room and someone says, oh, good. Or somebody says, oh, God. (laughs) I like that. When their name pops up on your phone. Susan, this is terrific. I'm going to ask you to close in a minute with some final thoughts, words of encouragement for our listeners to put their clients on notice so they feel that they might be at risk of being ditched if they're too hard to work with. So practically, what might they do pretty quickly? But just before that, if people are loving what you're saying and they chime with you and the stuff you're talking about, how might they get in touch with you and have a conversation? Because you're open to that, right? Oh, absolutely. Best place to connect with me is LinkedIn. Otherwise, email sbryant at mbgcpa.com would always be great. And I welcome questions and I'd love to talk with other accountants and just cheer them on. This is hard work, incredibly stressful, very difficult, and we need to stick together and help each other to keep on going on. And the many other things that you do, Susan Bryan, cheerleader of accountants, I think that works really well. You've definitely got that. So let's finish, Susan. Final thoughts, call to arms, if you like. What can accountants and CPAs do to trade up with their clients and really put them on notice that they won't stand for this kind of stuff anymore? They are raising their game and the clients can come with them or get off the bus. Hope is not a course of action. <laughs> I just read that <laughs> in a strategy, book. is it? Just, you're going to have to do it. Just be brave and go have one conversation at a time and talk to the clients and explain to them your challenges and get them on board or get them out of your life. It's really that simple, but you just have to, you have to start taking action. Otherwise you get bogged down, you get slowed down. And why do you want to keep setting yourself behind in the achievement of your goals? Don't. So I think we got to just get out of our own way. Love that. And we repeat, say no to the good. So you can say yes to the great. Susan Bright, that's been magnificent. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights today. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Always great to chat with you. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring.